Adeline. What? Adeline. What? I spy with my little eye a movie starring Dave Bautista and Kristen Schaal. Guardians of the Galaxy. That's like a 6 out of 10. Is it Guardians of the Galaxy? No. That movie is not starring Kristen Schaal and that movie is like an 8 out of 10. Yeah. Is it a WWE wrestling? I Maybe. I guess it could be. I don't know. Kristen Shaw seems like the kind of person who might have shown up in a WWE just for like match. A <laughs> <laughs> hey, Adeline. Yeah. I spy with my little eye. Uh, the film we're talking about on the podcast today. The Guardians of the Galaxy. That's you need to come up with a better bit. That one's not working. What, Try that, again. Is it? Dave Bautista hasn't been in that many movies. No, he's been in plenty of movies. Name another Dave Bautista movie. Blade Runner 2049. All right. Is it Blade Runner 2049? No. Is it... This is No Nerds Allowed. Hi. All right. <laughs> oh, wait, it's not that <clears throat> No, we have a new theme song. It's phase two. Adeline. Yes. I Spy. It's Jackson. <laughs> Adeline, why don't you describe the movie we're talking about all today? Alright, so I spy, my spy, we all spy for... <laughs> for I spy. For I spy. Uh, <laughs> I spy. <laughs> so, I guess that sounds pretty good. It would be like kind of like an ice cream cake. I'm sh- You put ice cream on pie, so... Yeah, I guess be... you could do that. I was thinking more like it was like a pie crust with like ice cream cake well, in the it's middle. Well, like, it's just like a cheesecake, but like cold. Yeah, but it's like, yeah... Yeah. But it's ice cream. Yeah. You call it ice pie. <laughs> or you could say ice pie with no my is, little eye. No one is stopping you from going to the grocery store, getting a pie crust, and just putting ice cream inside yeah, of it. Yeah, that sounds pretty good to me. <laughs> anyway, TM. Um, <laughs> but so My Spy is a movie about Dave Bautista, and he's a spy. But then, all, whoopsie poopsie, get little girl. <laughs> little girl. Little girl show up. And then, oh no, he he liked little girl, and oh no, little girl mom hot, and oh no, mus- miscommunication. I was, I uh, know, I was spying you, but it was different than no, babe, where are you going, babe? No. <laughs> uh, and then and then Russian evil guy is like, haha. Oh, then it's cool again. Uh, I just want to call out um, Hot Rod for having that joke where in the movie when uh, Will Arnett plays the asshole like, other guy, and then Isla Fisher, like, breaks up with him to be with Andy Samberg, and, and Will Arnett's just like, babe, wait, wait, babe, 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 wait, babe! I think about that every time I watch any romantic comedy, <laughs> because every single one has, has that, that scene, scene in it, I... and they've, like, managed to, like, perfectly coined something that has existed for so long yeah. it's such a perfect observation that i always think of it as the babe wade scene yeah well at this movie it has that scene because it's our romantic comedy and we have to have that scene yeah but it's it's better than most scenes of that variety yeah because the whole thing is that de batista he's like he's like the big spy guy he's like killing 12 people at once but he, you can't do that when you're a spy so he like gets put like he gets put on the bench and he's just monitoring this family but then like oh no he falls in love with the family and so that's the whole thing 
But so, like, he kind of, like, reveals that he's the spy. It's nice that he, like, takes Otis of the situation. Right. He's like, I am a spy. Hello, that is we nice. have this conversation. That's nice. And, like, they're mad at each other, but it's not over a miscommunication. <laughs> right. And that's what's nice. Like, she's mad about him because he was a spy and he was spying on her, and that's fair. Right. See, I, I mean, I think that does make it better. Yeah. But I think the problem with that whole plot device is that no matter how you pull it off, you can see it coming from... 10 billion from miles away. eons away. Yeah. And it's not even like... Because I'm not necessarily the type who thinks that a movie being predictable is always a bad thing. Yeah. But I think in a movie like this... It's like this event horizon you have to cross, and it's like this black hole sucking everything <laughs> yeah. towards it. And the whole time you're just thinking, this is all leading up to that one scene that I know is going to be there where they have to confront the miscommunication, or he has to come clean and the romantic opposite is going to be all mad, but then they'll make up later. Yeah. And, like, it just, like, it weirdly, like, I think the absolute worst version of it I mean, not the worst version of it, but the the version of it that I think most negatively impacts the movie it's in is Klaus. Oh, yeah. Because that is, like, the most... Like, I that movie's great. Yeah. But, like, the version of it in that movie, which is, like, literally, like, oh, he only has to be here because of this reason, and he's mad and he's trying to get fired, so he's doing a super bad job, but then he finds love with, falls in love with the girl, but then later the girl finds out that actually he didn't want to be here and he was just taking advantage all of, of all of them for his own thing. And he's like, no, I mean, it's not like that. I mean, it was like that at first, but now I, now I like you. Babe, and she, wait, babe, wait, babe, babe, wait. And, <laughs> like, I mean, not to just talk about Klaus for a little bit, yeah. but as beautiful and awesome and funny and fun as that movie is and how much I, like, actually really enjoy its take on Santa Claus. Yeah. It's got a lot of plot issues. <laughs> right. And that's just, like, the biggest one. Yeah. Santa Claus dies at the end of that movie, but we, like, don't talk about it or see it. But he, like, kind of low-key, like, kind of almost dies. He's, like, a ghost now. Yeah, he's a spirit, like, he's, forever. He's Jesus now. Um, but, yeah, and it's, like, the thing about it is not it's not just bad because you can see it coming. Yeah. Because, like, any blockbuster movie you see, you think, oh, they're going to win a big battle at the end. Yeah. But the thing about that is that you're excited to see the big battle. Yeah, you're excited to see what they do and you're, how they do it. Yeah, you're totally cool with them having a big battle and winning at the end. And that's yeah. not the problem. Yeah. With this, the scene... Oh, I'm watching Avengers and Iron Man's gonna shoot a guy with his hand. It's like, yeah, why are you yeah. mad? Uh, but, like, with a movie like this, the, like, oh, the girl finds out the plot of the movie... Yeah. ...is, like, vegetables. Yeah. It's like, I know it's gonna happen, and you're yeah. just, like, dreading it the whole time, you know? Um, it's like the raisin and the cookie, and yeah. you've been like eating around the raisin the whole time. So now you have to commit to either throwing <laughs> yeah. away the rest of the cookie or just eating the raisin. Yeah, Ugh, it's like the broccoli on your plate, and you're like, "Oh, I love this ham. Ooh, yum! I love this. This is Dave Bautista doing the whip. That's like the sweet potatoes. Oh, yum, yum. Oh no." There's just green beans left now, yeah. and I have to eat. I have to eat the green beans before I can have ice pie. <laughs> yeah, before I can have ice pie. <laughs> And the dessert is the big action set piece at the end, yeah, which is fine. Pretty okay. It's, we're kind of jumping all around in this movie. Yeah. It's because this movie came out today. Right. Yeah. So this is, this movie is called My Spy. Yes. Not to be confused with the Paul Feig movie Spy from two years ago. Not to be confused with the Eddie Murphy movie I Spy. Yeah. From the 90s. Different thing. Yeah. This is My Spy. Because 
the little girl is like controlling Dave Bautista. It's her spy. It's, yeah, she's the titular me. Um, and like you know, it's this is the kind of movie that doesn't really take a lot of pitching. No, it's like it's one of those movies. We've talked a lot on this podcast about how, like, there aren't really, like, movie star movies anymore, quote-unquote, where it's, like, the plot is kind of irrelevant. It's more just, like, check it out. It's... Dave Bautista. Yeah. Or, like, you know, in the 90s, it was, like, oh, check it out. It's Cameron Diaz. Yeah. <laughs> and, like, people would show up. They'd be, like, yeah, I don't know. It's, like, a rom-com or something. Whatever. I don't know. Like, I don't know. I like Cameron Diaz, though. And this is, like, one of the few movies of the 21st century... And, like, Dave Bautista is, like, one of the few people who's starting to consistently be able to pull this off. It's just, like, it's, a, it's like, one of those, like, spy movies, and it's, like, a romantic comedy, and there's yeah. been, like, a hundred of them. Usually it's Jackie Chan, but this time it's Dave Bautista, See, <laughs> you know? I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049. In that movie, does he play big, strong man who lost family? Um, I don't remember if he lost his family. Yeah. He's not in it for, like, a super long time. Yeah. He's just in it for one scene. But... Got very little glasses. Gotcha. That's Don't the get best me part wrong. of him. I fucking love Big Strong Guy Lost Family. Yeah, yeah, I yeah. love that. And he does a great job of playing that mm-hmm. character. I was just wondering if that's the only character that he's played. Yeah. Well, his his movie star persona has always been based around sort of a gentle giant, you know? Yeah. I he, mean, I know Drax isn't exactly gentle, but he's like a big, tough guy who has feelings. Yeah. Is kind of his... A big, tough guy who is actually very sad. Yeah, <laughs> is exactly. kind of his yeah, type. Yeah. I mean, like, honestly, his performance as Drax is so, is yeah, so no. good. Dave Bautista, like, I, I want to talk about Dave Bautista, yeah. okay? Because he is the only person on planet Earth who looks like that. Like Dave Bautista. <laughs> and, like, his neck is the same width as his head. Yeah. And he looks like a mountain. His shoulders are just enormous. Yeah. He, like, he looks, I said this to you, he just, he looks like the Paramount logo. Yeah. <laughs> he looks like the Matterhorn, like, physically. Um, and he was in WWE for a really long time. I don't yeah. think he had, like, a persona. I think he was just Dave Bautista. Yeah, probably. Um, well, because I never knew who ba- Dave, I said Babe. <laughs> <laughs> Hell yeah. Babe Dutista. <laughs> More like Babe Bautista. <laughs> but Dave Bautista, like, I didn't, like, somebody told me that he was from WWE. And I was like, that makes total sense yeah that makes sense but like i don't know like when you say like oh the rock used to be wwe like i have a picture of like the rock from wwe right like wearing the tank top and he's got his tattoos or whatever yeah but like i don't have that kind of image for dave bautista so i don't know i just i don't know i don't have any information (laughs) yeah i don't think i don't think he was ever like one of the big popular ones yeah but he sort of made made a name for himself and he's like I think he was still in WWE at the time, but he started doing a whole bunch of, like, straight-to-DVD dad action movies alongside, like, Bruce Willis or whatever. Like, the kind of stuff you see at Redbox, and you're like, how is Sylvester Stallone in this? And it came out this year, and I've never heard of it. Yeah. Dave Bautista's in a lot of those. Gotcha. Um, And then uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, obviously, where he plays Drax, was kind of his big break. Like, where he was doing, like, a genuinely, like, really good performance in, like, a more sort of respectable role than yeah. like the big tough guy oh he's in the he's in a couple of the scorpion king movies oh also alongside oh. dwayne the rock johnson gotcha um scorpion king based off of <laughs> the mummy so okay gotcha this is this is a fun fact you want to hear a fun fact about scorpion king 3 yeah uh-huh that's this... a prequel to scorpion king 
All right. Which is a spin-off of The Mummy 2. Yes. Which is a sequel to, to the, the Mummy, Mummy 1. Yes. Which is a remake yes. of The Mummy from 1950. Yes. So Scorpion King 3, yeah. featuring Dave Bautista, is the prequel... No, actually, I think that the... I think I have that backwards. Scorpion King 2 is the prequel to 1. Yeah. And Scorpion King 3 takes place in between. Gotcha, gotcha, So it gotcha. is a sequel to a prequel to a spin-off to a sequel... To a remake. God. So anyway, that's just a good movie. Man, um, maybe the Scorpion King movies are bad. <laughs> there's four of them. There's four of them? There are four Scorpion King we movies. We watched the first one and it was just kind of like nothing. Yeah. <laughs> and then they decided to make three more after that. So you know what? <laughs> there are more Scorpion King movies than there are Mummy movies yeah. in that franchise. Yeah, yeah, Which yeah. is why they're super good. <laughs> they're um, all great. But yeah, and like, you know, I've been doing a lot of... I've just been thinking a lot about, like, different, like, actors and, like, what their sort of, like, personas are and what they can, like, reliably pull off. Yeah. Um, and Dave Bautista is one of those guys who ha- is so, like, dialed into his particular thing. I mean, like I said, he's good at, like, big, strong guys who are actually very sad. Yeah. Like, that's what he is in Guardians of the Galaxy. That's what he is in this movie. That's what he is in Blade Runner 2049, in Hot- uh, Hotel Artemis. Which was a movie that most people hated, but I thought was pretty good. It seemed um, like a really fun concept. He, that was, Hotel Artemis, was when it came out, everyone was really excited about it because it had like the most insane stacked cast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was like Zachary Quinto and Jeff Goldblum and Jodie Foster and Dave Bautista and Jenny Slate. Yeah. Like, and probably some others that I'm even forgetting. Like, it was, Charlie Day was in it. Yeah. Sophia Boutella. It was like everybody and their brother was in Hotel Artemis. And everyone was like this movie's gonna rip, right? Like, yeah. it seems like it rips. It was, like, a cool sci-fi idea, like, an original screenplay. And then it came out, and everybody was like, this kind of sucks, actually. And then I saw it, and I was like, no, actually, this rips. Like, I'm pretty into it. Yeah. And then I, like, totally forgot about it, like, a month later. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> and then I forgot to make a tweet about how I liked it. Yeah, like, and I did like it, but it's, like, even at the end of the day, despite all that, it was still kind of, like, whatever. Yeah. Uh, Brian Tyree Henry was in it? That's a... Maybe I should revisit that. It's one of those movies that I'm going to think back on and be like, oh, actually, that maybe good. that movie's really good. And then I'm going to watch it and I'll be like, Aww. oh, no, that was actually just like kind of mediocre just movie. Okay. I'm yeah. only remembering the cool parts well, it's of because it. Because when, when you like something and that thing is like just okay, but everyone else is like, this is bad. I'm like, um, actually, it's great. Like, that's just <laughs> right, what <yeah>. I'm like. <laughs> um, actually, it's a masterpiece. <laughs> there's a really good sequence We're talking about it. like Shrek 3 or something. <laughs> yeah. Actually, it's like a cinematic masterpiece. <laughs> There's a really good scene in Hotel Artemis where Dave Bautista, like, attacks, like, a like a mob of people with a hatchet. Yeah. <laughs> like a fireman's axe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> pretty yeah. good. That's great. But he's just the same kind of thing. He's, like, a sensitive guy who's just, like, a huge mountain, you know? Yeah. Um, it's someone, someone's using the mountain for bad, but he just wants to use the mountain for love. Yeah. Um, so this, to get back on the track with my spy. Yeah. Like, at what it is, just in general, I think is kind of weird. Because... It seems, so, with the kids I babysit, I watched the new Annie movie with Black Annie. Oh, hell yeah. And it was... It's a hard knock life. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. 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 (laughs) It was, it's not, it's not good. But it's, 
like it it had substance and it was a story right. but it just it was like a kids movie like it had like a oh she's cool but she has fun clothes and she's quirky yeah, yeah, and yeah. she goes to like a big house with all the fun technology she's wearing like leggings with a skirt and yeah, a vest yeah exactly, exactly. <laughs> and then they fall in love and she has a dog like it's very it's very kids like quote unquote action movie right, like yeah. that's what that Anna, Annie was and this kind of seems like they took that Annie but then just made it, like, a little bit for adults. Right. Like, it see, this whole movie seems very kid-oriented. Not only because we have right. a kid protagonist, but, like, in the way that that kid protagonist is framed, it seems like she is for the kids. She's a kid protagonist right, right. for kids because she's unrealistic and bratty. <laughs> right. If she was a kid protagonist for adults, I feel like... I would have liked her a lot more because she didn't have to be, like, the kid protagonist. <laughs> right. She could just be, like, a child person. Yeah, well, because every kid wants to be taken more seriously. Yeah. And, like, seeing a, a kid who's really smart and, like, nobody understands them and, yeah. like, actually she can just do whatever she wants. <laughs> it's yeah. like, kids are like, hell yeah, I can do whatever I want. Yeah, well, it's like, this kind of story... This kind of, like, character interaction is, like, my whole jam. I love that shit so much. Right. It's, like, big, strong man learns to be a better person because of <laughs> friendship with girl. I'm right. like, hell yes, that's my shit. I love the juxtaposition. I think it's great. Right. And, like, I love Dave Bautista's interactions with the little girl and, like, how his character develops. Like, I really, really like that. But then the little girl kind of ruins it because I don't like her that much. She's, yeah, she's a little annoying. She's I mean, a look, much. she has moments. She does have moments. Like, the last half of the movie, I think she becomes a realistic little girl. I love that line. I literally, like, looked over at Jackson because they're, like, spying on them. And then she, like, the little girl walks into the room where they're spying on her. And I was like, man, I really hope she walks in. I was, like, joking. I was like, I really hope that they walk in and they're like, wow, this little girl's a bitch. I hate her. <laughs> but then they literally said that in the movie, so they yeah. knew what I was thinking. <laughs> right. And that was great. It's like, she... She's just... She's just too much. Like, she gives me the vibes of, like, a kid actor who's, like, too removed from their childhood, even though they are a kid, <laughs> right, that they, like, yeah. can't be a kid anymore. They think they're, like, weirdly above yeah, childhood. Yeah, yeah, she, like, gives me those kind of vibes. Yeah, and I think that, like, I'm trying to remember, like, what my favorite moments of her are. Like, the bit, there's, so, like, the whole thing is, like, Dave Bautista spying on this family because the mom used to be married to a crime lord, I guess. Yeah. Who died. Yeah. So now she's a single mom trying her best. Yeah, yeah, yeah. With a young daughter. And Dave Bautista's supposed to spy on her to be like, oh, um, just to make sure that the family of the dead crime boss, make sure she's not, like, involved in it or whatever. Yeah. Um, And then he slowly... Then the little girl finds out and she starts, like, extorting him to, like take her to birthday parties and stuff yeah which i think is kind of funny yeah she like gets the dirt on them and she's like i'm gonna report you to the government and i'm gonna get you fired unless you take me ice skating yeah <laughs> and he's just like okay i guess um, See, the two things about this movie it's definitely a spy movie written by people who have never written a spy movie before. Right, 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 it's right. got those vibes big time yeah it looks like somebody watched mission impossible and then was like, I could do that. I'm a comedy director. I could do that. Right, right, But then it also, it's, like, it just got kid movie vibes all over it. But, like, not even the good parts of kid movies. Like, right. the bad parts of kid movies. Yeah. Like, kids movies 
written by adults that don't have children or have never, never spoken to a child. <laughs> right. Where she's like on the bus. We're trying to show that she's getting bullied and she has no friends. <laughs> That's the worst. So the scene starts off. She's getting on the bus. The door bus opens and she just stands there. <laughs> so two boys shove past her to get on the bus. Understandable <laughs> because she's just standing in front of the bus doors. Right. But then I'm supposed to feel bad for her because they shoved her. Right. Then she gets on the bus. She starts talking to these girls, and they're like, oh my god, do you have jelly on your face? I'm taking a picture of this and posting on Instagram. And then it's like, oh, wow, the future of bullying. Yeah. Uh, and then they go to their phone, and they go, it got eight likes already. Yeah. <laughs> it's just, and she's always worried about, like, going to parties. Like, right, it feels yeah. like no third grader is worried about partying. Right. We, we talk a lot about how, like, the portrayal of, like, bullying in movies it's is bad. so weird. I guess I should say, like, modern bullying. Because, yeah. like, in the cultural language around bullying is still, like, stuck in the 80s. Where it's, like, there's, like, a popular girl or, like, a tough jock who, like, either, depending, yeah. is either beats you up after class and shoves you in your locker. Or if they're a girl. They cyberbully you. Well, not even cyberbully you. They're just, like catty and mean to you and spread rumors about you that you're a slut or whatever yeah and it's like it doesn't look anything like that yeah the girl now. who bullied me in elementary school <laughs> i had a weird bully in elementary school because i knew that she had a super hard life so right. i just tried like her dad was like in prison and she right. just like took it out on me so i was like weirdly okay with it because <laughs> i knew her life was right. bad it um, was weird <laughs> but like we talk about how like we, we always bring up Spider-Man Homecoming as, like, one of the few things that has ever, like, felt really genuine to, like, the high school experience of the 21st century and, yeah. like, the ways that, like, sort of bullying actually manifests. And this movie is, like, the worst version of that, where they just, like, pretend that bullying still looks exactly the same as it did in the 80s, but then yeah. you just add Instagram yeah, exactly. to the words that they use, Well, you and know. it's like, I've heard this conversation with, like, in regards to, like, actual bullying, mm. where it's like, if you're doing any kind of, like, anti-bullying thing, but you won't talk about, like, what actually causes people to bully other people, which is usually they're not white or not straight or right, not neurotypical. Right. Like, if you don't address, like those problems and you're not really addressing bullying right and not to kind of shove that onto movies but like sh like they just like oh she's bullying because she's new and it's like <laughs> right, that's yeah. not why people get bullied if you're the new kid in school you're like the cool kid because you're like <laughs> new and mysterious right and yeah. third graders don't know about any of this shit like he can't like dave bautista comes up to the class for bring your parent or special friend to <laughs> school a day scene. but and he's just like oh i'm a garbage man but right now i'm unemployed and then or he's like right now i don't have a job right now and one of the kids goes that's unemployed and then they all laugh and it's like <laughs> yeah. no third grader is like he doesn't have a job <laughs> yeah. how gross it's like that's not that's not a thing unless you're at like a weird elite private school <laughs> yeah. like and so the way... What was I talking about? Oh, the, um... Because, like, basically the whole movie... And we should also talk about Kristen Schaal, who's, like, his... Who's, like, the guy in the chair yeah. in this movie. Who's, like, the cyber hacker, but she wants to be in the field, you know? She's, yeah. like, Simon Pegg in Mission... I almost said Mr. Impossible. <laughs> like, Simon Pegg in Mission who's Impossible. Mr. Impossible? <laughs> Is there a Mr. Impossible? <laughs> uh... <laughs> uh but, like, so that's, like, sort of the part of the narrative tension of this thing, right? Mm -hmm. Is, like, 
oh, she really wants to be out in the field and be a secret agent, but Dave Bautista's like, no, fuck you, you're just a nerd. I won't teach you how to be a secret agent. But then, like, low-key, he starts teaching the little girl how to be a secret agent, and she's like, what the fuck? You said you wouldn't teach me how to be a secret agent, now you're teaching a nine-year-old how to be a secret agent. Yeah. Um, and, like, I think I think that's a fun thing. I just like Kristen Schaal in this movie. I think I she's funny. Um, well, she plays a fun character, because she... She's a little bit of, like, the nerd that nobody likes. But I feel like they do that in, like, a realistic way for, like, a work setting. Right. Like, there's people that people don't like at work. But it kind of it kind of goes back to, like, the high school bullying. Like, if there's a person you don't like at work, you kind of just, like, casually don't like that person. <laughs> right, yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of bullying scenes in, like, work settings. And I'm right, like, yeah. this can't be how this happens. There is an HR, right? right. Like. <laughs> this I this doesn't feel real or right. Right. Um, oh, I, I remember what I was going to say. Uh, we talked on our Sonic the Hedgehog episode a lot about the sort of, like, genre of, like, family action comedy for kids yeah. that, like, used to happen a lot and doesn't really happen much anymore. Uh, I think Annie's a great example of one of those. It's not as much like an action movie, but... No, she does get into, like, a hol- helicopter, like, twice. <laughs> Um, but... I think at the end of the movie, when she gets, like, kidnapped by the people who are pretending to be her parents, I think there's, like, more guns in that scene than in the original. Right. So, like, that's, like, it. Yeah, and this movie is kind of a lot of things that don't really happen very often anymore. Like, it's, like, a studio romantic comedy. It's, like, a movie that's sort of an action movie that's kind of aimed at kids. It's, like, a just sort of a medium-budget, like sort of nonsense yeah, <laughs> movie, like anything, you know? Um, and, like, there's... And it's, like, a movie star-driven movie. Yeah. Because that's the thing about that kind of movie is that, like, it's predicated on, like, you don't really care that much about the pitch and that's gonna be kind of nothing. It's like, oh, there's a board game and you get sucked into it, I guess. Robin Williams is in <laughs> Robin it. Robin Williams gets um, <laughs> stranded in a board game for 10 billion years. There's a guy and he's a... There's a... He puts on a mask and turns into a crazy guy. It's Jim Carrey, though. So, like... You know, I dare you bring up the mask. <laughs> I'm just saying it's like that kind <laughs> yeah, of movie. Yeah, yeah. Um, and like this is it's like he's a spy, but he gets like caught by a little girl and whatever. But it's Dave Bautista, and you'll watch him do anything because he's extremely charismatic and handsome. And like, just hang on, <laughs> like yeah. it'll be fine. And I was like, yeah, it was fine. <laughs> it was fine. It was fine. <laughs> um, and I just like straight up, I'll just I'll watch Dave Bautista do anything. I know, <laughs> like, really. <laughs> He's, and I like that this is the first movie that just sort of lets him be, like, a handsome romantic lead, you know? Yeah, it is cool to have, like, just, like, kind of, like, a big, huge guy just kind of, like, let him, like, be handsome. Like, it doesn't, right. like, they kind of make a joke that, like, his fashion is, like, out of, like, taste or whatever. Right. But, like, it's, it's nice to see, like, the romantic lead that isn't, like the same white guy with the same right. kind of beard and same wavy haircut, you <laughs> yeah. know? Like. And, like, I think that sort of... I don't know, it's weird because there are a lot of, like, big, hulking, like, WWE guys who have been, like, sort of... Like, not necessarily, like, romantic leads, but, like, leads in movies before. Yeah. I think that, like, what immediately comes to mind is, like, Arnold Schwarzenegger, who I don't... I would not describe as handsome. <laughs> Yeah. He's, like, big and huge oh. and scary and young, whatever. Young him is pretty handsome. You thinking of, like, when he's, like, a bodybuilder and he's, like, all airbrushed up no, and, I'm like... No, thinking, I'm thinking, like, I, I think he's pretty handsome in Terminator 1. Terminator 1? Yeah, I suppose so. I don't know. Maybe I just don't Well, you're Well, ju- you're just thinking of, like, older, spiky hair. Yeah. And that's not... What I'm imagining is, like, kindergarten cop. 
era. Did you know that's what Silent Hill was based off of? Kindergarten Cop? Well, no, there's like a bunch of posters in Silent Hill that are exactly the same from Kindergarten Cop. Oh, really? And it's like a behind-the-scenes thing. I don't remember what the exact, like, thing is, but it's like they had a copy of Kindergarten Cop, and that's like the only way that they knew, like, the English to put in the game oh, or something really? like that. So there's like all these posters that are like that's exactly hilarious. from Kindergarten Cop. This movie also is basically just Kindergarten Cop. <laughs> He's pretty handsome. I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't feel it. But like... And the same could be said for, like, John Cena. Like, not that any of these people are, like, ugly. John Cena's gotten handsome lately, though. It's, now that he's grown out his hair, he can kind of get it. Yeah, no, but, yeah, like, WWE John Cena is not, <laughs> not a handsome guy. Not a look. But that's the weird thing about, like, this people in been, general. This is who's hot and who's <laughs> yeah. not. And I don't think Dwayne The Rock Johnson is, like, a hot guy. Like, I mean, I don't know. It's, it's a weird thing where it's, like, if you just, like, look at his face, you'd be like, yeah, whatever. But he's, like, charismatic, and that's, like, kind of yeah. its own thing. And then he smiles, and yeah. he sings, you're welcome, and you're like, <laughs> yeah. oh. But, like, I don't know, point being, of all the, like, huge movie stars who, like, started out as bodybuilders or wrestlers and then became movie stars, I think Dave Bautista's, like, the most genuinely handsome out of all of them. Yeah. Um, and, like... And I always, he's just one of those people, I think I've said this before on the podcast, like, in order to be truly hot, you have to be at least a little bit ugly. Yeah. I feel like that's Dave Bautista's vibe to a T. Because, like, in this movie, where he's just, like, wearing, like, a cardigan and, like, a jacket, and you're like, oh, hell yeah, Dave, get it. Yeah. What are you Googling? I'm, I'm trying to look up that kindergarten cop Silent Hill thing. Oh, okay. Because I'm trying to figure out what the story was. Yeah, there's, like... There's a bunch of posters in Silent Hill that are from Kindergarten Cop. I don't remember the story of why, though. That's hilarious. Yeah. I should play Silent Hill. I, we should play Silent Hill. Um, but yeah, and it's like... I don't know. <laughs> but yeah, that's the weird thing about people. What I've found in my life is that, like, basically anybody can be handsome if they're just, like, styled well and, like, wearing nice clothes and seem confident, you know? Yeah. Stop looking at your phone. I'm Lord. sorry. I'm trying to figure out why Silent why the school in Silent Hill is based off the school in Kindergarten Cop. I'm trying right. to figure out why. And it's like John Cena in like Fast and Furious Nine, and he's like got good hair and like wearing nice clothes, and you're like, oh yeah, John Cena. Yeah. But then like when he's like in Bumblebee and he's like got a buzz cut and like in military fatigues, you're yeah. like, eh, I can kind of take. They, a they're leave always John Cena. like women love a man in uniform. It's like I like a handsome man in uniform, <laughs> not to be terribly mean but you know what <laughs> right. i mean like they, you can't just stick any man in a like a police uniform and be like is he hot now and the right. answer and the answer is no <laughs> <laughs> right um but yeah um yeah that's basically all i'm trying to say is like dave bautista can totally get it in yeah. this movie uh and it's just like i don't know it's kind of cool because he's like he's not the kind of guy who gets to get it in this kind of movie yeah. <laughs> you know um does, does rex get it ever not rex what Drax. Why do Drax? they think he's doing Rex? No, I don't think I don't think Drax can get it. I don't think you're supposed to think that Drax can get I it. I think Drax can get it. <laughs> you and don't think Drax like, can get it? He's just like green and bald. He's red and bald. bald. He's got red tattoos. He's got green skin. He's like a, he's like a grayish green. He's like yeah, dwarf. It's not red. His tattoos are red and yes. they're all over his body. Okay, I don't if know. he's standing far away from you and you blur your eyes, he's, <laughs> he's red. red. Okay. I don't, I don't think Drax can get it. Well. I think he can get it in Blade Runner 2049 in more like a, like a just like shy, like 
kid that you kind of feel bad for kind of way. Yeah. You should watch Blade Runner 2049. You should watch at least the Dave Bautista scene from Blade Runner 2049. Where he kills a bunch of people with a hatchet? No, that's in Hotel Artemis. Oh, gotcha. In Blade Runner 2049, he's just like a guy. No, he's an android who runs a, like, a farm. He just, like, lives by himself on a farm and is just, like, kind of doing him. And then Ryan Gosling shows up. He's like, hey, it's my job to kill you. And they, he's just, like, this guy hanging out by himself, and he's, like, wearing these little glasses, and he's, like, giant, just, yeah. like, doing him. And yeah. you're like, oh, no, Dave, you gotta get out of this. <laughs> I'm trying to remember what happens. Ryan I know Gosling, he definitely... Don't kill him. I know he definitely grabs Ryan Gosling's head and shoves him through a wall at one point. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can't remember if Ryan Gosling actually kills him at the end or not, though. Oh, I think God. he, like, figures out some way to get around it. I haven't seen Blade Runner 2049 since it came out in theaters. I just remember that it's, like, a super good scene. And I can remember it, like, visually. Yeah. I don't remember what happens at the end, though. Anyway, um, but regardless of whether or not Dave Bautista can get it. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> kindergarten Cop is, like, I don't know, it's just, like, a perfectly serviceable way to spend an hour and a half, you know? We, we're not talking about Kindergarten Cop, Jackson. Oh, did I say Kindergarten <laughs> you Cop? You did. It's because I have Kindergarten yeah, Cop up on the screen. Yeah, you're looking at 1,200 different pictures of Kindergarten, <laughs> kindergarten Cop right cop. now. My Spy, who yeah. we were talking about today. Yeah. It's, like, it's totally fine. Like, there's a lot that kind of sucks about it. Yeah. And it's, like, the narrative totally doesn't really matter. And, like, the actual conflict of it is kind of minimal. Yeah. And every once in a while, they cut back to the bad guys doing a bad guy thing. There's a really, there's a really long stretch of time where they're, like, showing you, like, because they, like, they put in other agent, another agent in the field to, like, mm -hmm. actually deal with the bad guy while they're just doing recon. Right. And so there's several times where we're, like, going to the bad guy, and he's, like, I need the MacGuffin. Where is it? And he's, like, oh, it's here. And it's, like, oh, they go to get that. But then they get exploded, so they think he's dead. Right. And, like, all that stuff. And I'm, like, I really, like, I'm following what we're doing. I just have no, no. clue <laughs> how that's going to intertwine back. Right. Into what Dave Bautista's doing. It's, yeah, it's kind of nothing. Honestly, like, I think it would be more fun if you just didn't ever cut back to them. Like, just let his whole thing sort of play out. Yeah. And then, at the end, the bad guys that you kind of set up in the beginning, but you've just now kind of forgotten about. Yeah. Now they, they just They just show up at the end, you're like, oh shit, from before. Yeah, because he's forgotten about them. Yeah, exactly. So we should forget about them. Um, yeah. And, I, and it has very little to do with the actual story that's, like, playing out, besides that they come back at the end and there's, like, sort of an action set piece, because you yeah. gotta have that in this kind of Jackson, movie. Jackson, this is a MacGuffin. Yeah, what even It could is be it? any. It's like a flash drive with nuclear codes on it. Right? Oh, right, right, yeah. It could be anything. It could be anything. Um, it, could be, it could be a magic crystal. See, that's the thing about a MacGuffin, right? Yes. Not inherently a bad thing. No. We've talked about this on the podcast before. Yes. But... Because the whole idea is that it's just an object that incites the conflict that gets everything else moving. Yeah. But if there's not a second domino that it knocks over, then it's pointless. Yeah. <laughs> like, the the best way to think about a MacGuffin is like Pulp Fiction, right? There's this briefcase they're trying to get, and you never know what's in it. Uh-huh. All that matters is that it's a briefcase. But because they're trying to do that, all these other things happen... And the briefcase sort of becomes the least important part of it, you know? Yeah. And it, like, sets up... It, like, spins off into character conflicts. It spins off into, like, just practical conflicts. Like, all these things happen because of this thing, but that thing isn't played like it's the most important part of the story, yeah. you know? Yeah. In this movie, it's just like, we gotta get the flash drive, so now we're gonna shoot at you. Yeah. It's like, this isn't yeah. satisfying. 
Um, I do think that the whole kind of, like, the, the whole movie, we have a really pretty fun action set piece at the very beginning. It it does sometimes feel like an action scene written by people who have never written an action scene before. I don't think it's very good. Well, I there are parts that I like about it and parts that I think, like, there are seeds of good ideas that I think could have been better executed. Yeah. Like, there's, like, definitely, definitely, definitely an homage to Atomic Blonde that I feel like could have been better. <laughs> yeah, no, it's a weird thing, so... It's just, I think it's just a weird coincidence. The opening action sequence is all, like, bathed in this, like, teal light. Yeah. And there's a point where he gets in a car and turns on the radio and 99 Luft Balloon starts playing. Which is, like, just, like, there's an action sequence in Atomic Blonde where 99 Luft Balloon starts playing and everything's, like, teal lit. Yeah. And it, I think it's just a coincidence. I don't think they yeah. were trying to make an homage. It's just weird, well, though. Well, because they have, there's so many needle drops in this movie, and yeah. they're all kind of bad. Like, that's a, that's another kids movie vibe, where the music is just ridiculous and doesn't add anything. That's yeah. very kids movie. And the score is, like, there's absolutely no nuance to the score oh, whatsoever. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, like, literally... First of all, there's only really scoring for probably, like, eight minutes of the movie total. Yeah. Because the rest of the time, it's just, like, pop song needle drops yeah. all the time. And when there is score, it's just, like, turn... Like, whatever the one emotion is, just, like, crank that up. Yeah. There's one where it's, like, oh, he got... Dave Bautista, right at the beginning, got set to... Got set to an assignment he didn't like, so now he has to do surveillance with Kristen Shaw. And he, like, there's a quick little bit of, like, him, like, going home and, like, going to bed and, like, feeding his fish or whatever. Yeah. And, like, the score that plays, it sounds like, it sounds like the score of, like, a married couple who just found out that they had a miscarriage. Yeah. <laughs> it, like, it's, for some reason, that scene plays, like, the most horrible tragedy. Yeah. Like, the way it's, <laughs> like, the way the score is and the way the scenes are blocked, it sounds like he just found out that his son died yeah. <laughs> like it feels just insanely just like cranked up to 11 and i don't understand why they felt like they had to go so hard yeah well it's like they have that they have that kind of thing in the beginning where he like gets in the car and starts playing 99 red balloons and then he starts like changing the radio station and, like different songs come on it's that joke where they're all like girly or sad or whatever so you yeah. can try and change them but i think that could have been really cool if every time the song played, we, like, hand it in and, like, changed the way that the scene felt or, like, the blocking changes or, like, cool. if it, like, actually, like, changed the vibe of the action scene. That would be, like, a very Scott Pilgrim-y move. Yeah, like, every time you, like, switched it and the music changed, it, like, totally changed how the scene felt. That would have been awesome. Right. But instead, it just kind of plays, like, the goof from Zootopia where it's, like, <laughs> right. all the sad radio stations and, like, the scene doesn't change at all. And yeah. It's, like, oh. But then, directly after that, there's this, the dopest thing in the movie <laughs> where there's a guy with a bazooka behind him. And the guy with the bazooka in front of him. And, but the car's driving so they don't see each other. So he, like, turns at the last second when they both fire and they just shoot straight into each other. <laughs> yeah. And it's the coolest thing. That was pretty tight. That's, that was... like, the only good action thing in the whole movie. Yeah. But it's pretty good. <laughs> yeah, that was, like, the one moment I was like, ooh, that was cool. That was a good one. That, yeah. would, like, kind of got me excited. I was like, oh, maybe this movie is kind of going to rip. And then yeah. it was fine. Yeah. Um, Nothing ripped as hard as that. <laughs> but, and there's this whole bit they do at the beginning. It's trying really, really hard to be stylish. Yeah. But it's still... The whole thing still just feels inexpensive, you know? Yeah. And, like, they're, like that opening sequence, he's, like, fighting a whole bunch of guys at once. And everything's, like, lit with this one really specific color. And it's really trying to tap into the whole, like, John Wick 
atomic blonde blade runner thing where like mm-hmm. if we're like really conscientious of color and like really good choreography mm-hmm. but the choreography is kind of boring and the editing is like not great Basic, yeah. and they keep doing this thing where they keep doing like Zack snyder slow-mo whenever he like does something cool but like the slow-mo like lasts way too long and, and it's the thing hard to read. yeah and the thing we're seeing happen in slow motion is like not that cool in the first place yeah. so you're like i guess it's like he punches a guy and he flies backwards, and then we watch the guy fly backwards in slow motion for, like, three seconds. Yeah. And then he, like, does something else, and then something blows up, and a couple of guys get flown backwards, and then they happen in slow motion. You're like, it's not really the point of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, you want to draw out a moment that you want to be drawn out, you know? Yeah. Like, the thing about, like, 300 is, like, every single, like, shot in that movie is, like, totally maximalist and, like turned up to a thousand in terms of like how much tight shit can we get on the screen at any given moment so like when something crazy happens and suddenly it goes into slow motion you're like whoa like it like 300 is not the best movie in the world but it's like when something happens in slow motion it's because it's something that rules (laughs) that you like enjoy like stretching out that moment you know yeah when it's just like a guy getting punched you're like well they like do it at the they do it to the reaction of something cool and not the something cool. Right. It's like he shoots a tanker gasoline and a tanker explodes and guys go flying. And then what slow mode is the guys flying and not the tanker exploding. <laughs> right, yeah. It's like they just like picked the wrong thing. Like, like it's an action movie made by people who have never made an action movie yeah. before. Because it's a comedy director. Let me see. I want to see who directed it. And the, like, the also directed by was, like, the Fat Albert movie and, like, <laughs> the Naked right. Gun 33 and a half or whatever. 33 and a half. Uh, Peter Sagal. Not NPR Peter Sagal. <laughs> <laughs> Peter Sagal? Yeah. Um, oh, you think Get Smart? Yes, that seems right. Uh, so, yeah, I did Fifty First Dates and Get Smart and Tommy Boy and Naked Gun 3. Gotcha. Um, which I think was bad. I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. Um, I watched the first Naked Gun a little while ago. Yeah. Pretty good. Pretty good. good. Flick. Yeah, I, I walked in and out, and yeah. my dad were laughing. <laughs> yeah. The cool thing about uh, Naked Gun is that O.J. Simpson is in it, <laughs> and the even cooler thing is that he's pretty good at it. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> yeah. There's this bit in Naked Gun where O.J. Simpson is like this police officer who like busts this big room full of drug dealers or whatever, yeah. and he like goes in, he's like... <gasps> And then all the guys, like, shoot him a whole bunch of times. He's like, oh! And then he, like, falls over against a wall that says wet paint. And he's like, oh, yeah. oh no! And he falls into the other thing and does, like, 1,200 Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's so oh, funny. that's O.J. Simpson? That's O.J. Simpson. Oh, yeah, he did. He was great in that scene. <laughs> yeah, no, he's, like, really funny in Naked Gun. Yeah. And then you kill the guy in, uh... <laughs> in the movie. Yeah. In the movie. No, in real life. Oh. That's what I'm referring to. Um, My Spy. Yes. Dave Bautista can kind of get it. Can kind of get it. <laughs> So, and, yeah, all the action is, in this movie kind of blows. Why is every single mom trying her best always a nurse? Yeah, that's just, like, kind of the hardest job. It is, like, it is the hardest job. But it just also feels like the easiest, hardest job. <laughs> you know? Like, if you're like, oh, we need a hard job. She's a nurse. It's like, right. okay. <laughs> well, because... There are other hard jobs. <laughs> honestly, I think the reality is is that a lot of the other, like, really hard jobs, like, 
oh, I'm like a like a crab fisher or like something like that. Yeah. And and I mean honestly, I think genuinely in terms of like the kinds of jobs that like a person in a city could have, nurse yeah. is kind of like the most exhausting, most brutal jobs of all of them. Yeah. Um but even if you were like, "Oh, she's a like any other job would feel slightly more masculine." Yeah. And I don't think it is that they don't want the woman to have a masculine job. I think the, genuinely the reality is that if the job feels too masculine, it'll feel like they're trying to prove something. Yeah, you I know? get that. Um, well, and I, this is kind of, there was a conversation during the production of Mary Poppins, because the whole thing is that in the book, the mom doesn't have a job, and the nanny right. still comes over to help. And so when they made the movie, they're like, oh, we have to have the mom do something. And right. like, the conversation of like, well, maybe she's just a shitty mom. Like, maybe she just needs <laughs> right. help. Like, yeah. like, and I think there's something kind of empowering about that, that like some women aren't perfect and you don't have to have the hardest job in the world to struggle as a mother (laughs) you know like if she was just like if she just had a regular job it's like oh she's just an office worker but she works a lot and sometimes it's hard for her to like get home on time it's like i feel like that's a little bit even like more relatable than she's got the hardest possible job that she can have (laughs) and yet she's still like basically always home all the time in this movie (laughs) yeah it's just like i feel like it would be more humanizing and like more relatable if she just had like a regular a regular job She, like, was a secretary or something. Yeah. Well, <laughs> She's like, she works a... Monday to Friday, 9 to 5. Yeah, like, it's just, like, having children is hard. And you yeah. don't have to have the hardest thing in the world on top of that in order to have yeah. having a child hard. Yeah. Um, yeah. I'll say it. Having a kid. Hard. Pretty hard thing it's a to hard do. Thing. From experience? <laughs> From experience. <laughs> one. Yeah. But I can tell. Uh... <laughs> Um, As someone who has not does not have children. So okay, two things we gotta get out of the way. Yes. First of all, yes. Scene where Dave Bautista dances. Really good. Great. I love that scene so much. Half because Dave Bautista is just like dancing like a dad, and it's great. Yeah. But because every extra in that scene <laughs> is also is great, so supportive I and know. happy at all. What's the dance? I'm. 19 i don't know anything anymore what's the dance where you move your fist and kick your leg yeah. at the same time i don't know what that dance is called i don't know what but... it's called it's been around and i've definitely done it before but like when <laughs> like he starts doing that like poorly but yeah. then you look at all the extras and they're like also doing <laughs> yeah, it but no. like better than him but all they're the... all like yeah it's all like, the oh. extras all the extras in that scene are reacting like me watching the movie yeah, <laughs> they're exactly. like oh this is so great they're like dave Bautista's doing the whip we yeah. should also do the whip Dave Bautista hits the hardest whip in human history in this movie. Yeah. And it's so great. Uh, He just like, because that's like kind of the thing is he doesn't really know how to dance. He's just kind of winging it. But there's this moment where like, you know, he's like doing all these, they're not like moves per se, but he's like just kind of dancing. And then you like cut to a reaction shot of somebody and then you cut back and you can see like Dave Bautista's entire weight, like see him like shift like a sumo wrestler onto (laughs) one leg and then just like come crashing down with this like tremendous whip. It's so funny. It's so good. Uh, <laughs> well, there's also that scene where they're like before they go on the date. She's like, the daughter's like, oh, you're going dancing? It's like, well, show you, it's like floss right now. Start flossing. Floss. Yeah. It's like, <laughs> it's oh, like, you know how to dance? Prove it. Floss right yeah, now. Yeah, it's like, I don't know how to break it to you, little girl. Flossing is not dancing. <laughs> that's, that's just like a really good, like, it feels like a real genuine, like, writing of a, a present day nine year old. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. Floss right now. Do it. Yeah. <laughs> 
that's that's something one of our cousins uh, would say. <laughs> yeah. Um. What's the other thing? Oh, okay. This is not a fun thing. Oh, okay. Let's talk about the the gay couple across the hall in this yeah, movie. Because that is a weird wrinkle in this story. They weirdly switch in between being like, like playfully joking about a gay couple to like weirdly sometimes being kind of homophobic. Yeah. Like they don't know. Like it. It weirdly feels like they're trying. They're trying to not be conservative or liberal, but then end <laughs> right. up being kind of conservative. Yeah. Like. No, and, like, just so people know what we're talking about. There's, like, this <clears throat> gay couple who, like, lives across the hall from the woman whose name I don't remember. It's, uh, the daughter is Sophia. I don't remember what the mom's name is. It's, like, Jenny but, or something. Uh, I don't know. Yeah, and they totally are just, like, the gay best friend in any rom-com. They're yeah. just, like, helping out Dave Bautista and, like, being friendly and, like, sort of, like, yeah. adding some, like another character, another flavor into the story. But, like, they're such... uh, So, okay. This is the weird thing about it is that there are a couple of bits that are pretty good. Well, our introduction to them is actually pretty good, and it gave me hope that they were not going to be, like, just homophobic. Well, because they come up, and she wants to go ice skating, so she goes to her neighbors that she obviously has some kind of friendship with, and she's like, do you want to take Sophia ice skating? And he kind of makes a joke. He's like, yeah, because all gay people ice skate, uh-huh. And he's like, well, we're fine ice skating. Like, I no. don't know. I feel like that's okay. It's like drawing attention to itself way too much, and it just yeah. feels like, it just feels like performative yeah. and weird. And like, well, the, the whole, the, just for context, the character itself, there's like two characters. One of which is this guy who's, like, really, like, talkative and loudmouthy and feminine. And he's just like, oh, yeah. honey, why don't you do this? And, oh, we gotta fix you up. Ooh. Yeah. Uh, and then, like, his husband is, like, this guy who's, like, always really quiet. And every time he goes by, he just goes, hmm. Which is hilarious. Yeah, which is a really fun dynamic. <laughs> and then <laughs> the other guy says, he's a therapist, right? And he goes, hmm. <laughs> yeah. It's very funny. It's a good bit. Um, but, like, the whole time, and then there's, like, a whole bit where... Later in the movie, when Dave Bautista is about to go on a date with the mom, and they come in, they're just like, oh, we gotta fix you up, honey. And they, yeah. like, take him home and, like, fix up his outfit and stuff, and you're like, I'm not it's, it's, into this. Uh, but then they make a joke, and they're like, oh, what's his face and what's his face queer item? And I'm like, oh, yeah. that's not, that's not cool. And then, but then there's this other weird thing where it turns out that actually this whole time they were also secret agents. Yeah, which is just, it doesn't affect the plot in right. any way. And then, but, like, even though they were also secret agents, they are still exactly that same type of people, both. Yeah. Like, it wasn't, like, an act. They were, like, still just like that. And you're like, okay, I, I mean, yeah. I guess it's not really different, really. Yeah. It, 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 it... They're trying to, like, play it like it's a... F- yeah. I mean, it is, like, a fun twist, but, like, it doesn't, it doesn't, like, paint the... Them like any better. Paint yeah. any differently. They're, like, represent... Like, their rep- ability yeah. to represent, like... Yeah, Davis. I would weirdly be okay if they're like, we haven't been gay this whole time because I've been playing this very stereotypical gay <laughs> right. man and you just went along with it. <laughs> right, like, yeah. I feel like that would have even been better. Like, even if he, like, he was gay and he was like, yeah, I'm gay, but I don't you... wear a scarf and talk <laughs> yeah. about hummus and ice skating all day long. <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like that would have been better than been like, oh, we, we're, ac- we're spies, but we are actually, we're just like this actually. Though. Right. And it's like, okay. Yeah, it's, I, it's a weird, weird thing. It's weird. It's weird. And it's like, I don't know, I guess the fact that they're giving them, like, a weird job, like, being a spy is, like, kind of a more interesting inner life for these characters. Yeah. But, like, I don't know, still, it's just weird. It's kind of not into it. That said, though, they're both kind of pretty funny. They're pretty funny. Yeah, they do. They got some good goofs in there. (laughs) Um, But anyway, 
Um, I'm trying to look at my notes. We're almost at an hour, but, uh... Yeah, what's the... I'm trying to think if this movie passes the Bechdel test. Yeah, the mom and the daughter talk to each other all the time. But are they, the, are they not talking about him sometimes? I guess, no, they talk about the guys skiing and stuff. Never mind. Yeah. Yeah. Unless it was a boy's birthday party, oh, and it doesn't. Oh, fuck it. No, it's the mean girl's party. <laughs> um, that's the weird thing about the Bechdel test, is that it's always kind of unclear... When they say, unless it's about a man, it's like, you can kind of fudge that sometimes. Yeah. Because it's it's like, like, I think about Guardians of the Galaxy 2, where it's like Gamora and Nebula talk a long time about, like, their relationship with their father. Yeah. And it's like, I don't think that counts. Because they're, like, talking to each other about their own experiences that just are about, like, a father figure, not about, like, a romantic man they're pursuing. And so it's like, I I feel like that counts. Yeah. But also... Uh, the Bechdel test is mostly arbitrary and yeah, doesn't yeah, yeah. necessarily reflect. <laughs> no, I just think that the Bechdel test is very interesting and it's something to think about. Yeah. Not to say that a movie a movie doesn't equal feminist if it passes or not yeah. feminist if it doesn't pass. It's just something to keep track of. Like, do these yeah. character do these female characters like are they they aren't their own characters or do they just talk about men the whole time? Right. Yeah. And it's like some sometimes they do, but they're still feminist characters and sometimes they don't. I just think it's something cool to check up on. And if this movie is still good, but then doesn't pass the Bechdel test, it's like, oh, what does that say about, like, the, right. what does that say about the movie itself if it's great, but still doesn't pass the Bechdel test? I think it's just an interesting yeah. thing to look at. You know what I've been thinking about? A while ago, the BAFTAs introduced a certain diversity standard for movies that they will nominate for awards, mm-hmm. which I don't think I like. And there's been a lot of talk of incorporating it into the Oscars now, too. Yeah. Because... There are a lot of movies that I think that... Because, first of all, like, the rules basically state that you have to have, like, a certain number of women or a certain number of people of color or whatever, like, in the movie in order for it to work. But I don't think every story necessarily is the better for having more diversity, quote-unquote, in it. Like, I think about... this, This is the first thing that comes to mind, but, like, Fight Club is, like, an insane... It's, like, a deeply biting satire on, like, the the culture of the American white man, right? And the way that the world is the worse for that, like, stewing... Yeah. Like, ideology. And, like, if you put more... And, like, it's very pointed, the fact that everybody involved in the Fight Club is always white. Yeah. And, like, it's, it's just about this particular subset of humanity and like a satire of that specifically fight club would not hold up at all if you like made it adhere to diversity standards yeah because it's about how much white men right yeah yeah. and it's like i don't know and it's this weird thing where it's like and you know obviously there are a lot of movies that should be more diverse and it should be something we're championing for but making it like a weird requirement for awards feels yeah. weird to it me. It also just feels like a weird way to fix the Oscars. Like, yeah. it it hasn't been, oh, there, oh we, there's not enough movies with black people in it, and that's why black people don't win things. It's like, no, there's, it's right. a, there's different problems, and just forcing more people to be in things isn't going to fix the problem with the Oscars. Right. Well, but I, I, well, I don't think that's the line of thinking, because... It's not a. It's not only about making more movies with black people in it. It's also about what the 
Academy nominates. Yeah. It would, it, under that rule, it would make sure that you wouldn't only nominate a whole bunch of white men. I guess that's fair. Um, it would, I mean, not to, I'm not like flip-flopping, but yeah, like. Yeah, no, no, no. I uh, know. It would, it would solve a problem in a certain sort of way, but I just mm-hmm. don't know if it's the best way to solve the problem. Yeah. Um, and like, I think that, but you know, and then the other side of that argument is like, but not every story always needs to be told 100% of the time, you know? Yeah. Maybe it's time we stop doing Fight Clubs because we've done plenty of Fight Clubs. We've already got Fight Clubs. Yeah. Let's make a different movie. And it's yeah. like, because there are plenty of stories that aren't getting told that would absolutely adhere to those diversity standards. And it wouldn't yeah. be the worst thing in the world if we made those instead of something that had to be about white men, you yeah. know? Well, or like because... Dunkirk is a good example, too. Yeah. Well, it's like, and it's, even if we're making a version of Fight Club that's talking about, like, white toxic masculinity it's like there are ways to tell that story in a different way that still gets that message across that isn't fight club you know yeah i suppose yeah i mean i don't know i'm thinking about um well fight club is just a totally its own thing <laughs> yeah no that's true fight club is kind of its own because it's, it's about it's about toxic masculinity but it's basically for toxic white men and that's what yeah. it's like about. like it's pushed towards them well I wouldn't say that it's for toxic white men. They've it's, just kind of taken over. Yeah, it's it's a whole thing. Because Chuck Palahniuk is a gay man who wrote yeah. Fight Club. And he's, like, talking all about, like, the very specific subset of, like, yeah. hetero white American men. And, like, mm-hmm. the way they interact with the world and, like, why they are the way they are and, like, all this kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. And I think that... Uh, anyway, so that was just a whole big tangent. Yeah. Uh, my Spy. Pretty good. Pretty good. It is like perfectly fine. It's like pretty funny. Yeah. There's like five or six times and it got a good laugh out of me. Yeah. And I'd watch Dave Bautista do anything. Yeah. So, so I would watch Dave Bautista eat a phone book. Yeah. <laughs> well, yeah, that would rip. <laughs> you would rip it in half and then eat it. <laughs> yeah. And yeah, I think I'm just really excited about watching Dave Bautista eat a phone book. Well, yeah, that too. But like, I'm just happy that. Dave Bautista is the guy who's getting to, like, be the bankable lead in these movies. Yeah. Yeah. And um, there was also Stuber. We haven't talked about Stuber on this podcast. That was, like, the weird buddy cop movie with him and Kumail Nanjiani. Oh, yeah. That was fun. It came out and everyone was like, this is fine. So it's like, I don't know. Probably pretty good, because I would watch Dave Bautista do anything. anything. So And the same is kind of true of Kumail Nanjiani, also. Yeah. I was so hyped at just the idea of, like... That is, like, a pitch. If I were a studio executive, I'd be like, what if the two leads of a movie were Kumail Nanjiani and Dave Bautista? I'd be like, whatever it is, I don't care. I don't care what it is. Like, here's $10 million, just do it. Stop. Why are you standing there? Go. Oh, and they're both white power people. Bye! It's like, oh, no! Exactly. And they're both Nazis. (laughs) I'd be like, doesn't matter, doesn't matter, just do it. I'll watch it. I'll pay 10 bucks for a ticket. God. Um, <laughs> but yeah, and I'm, I'm trying to remember if there's like anything, like obviously he's still going to be in like Guardians of the Galaxy and whatever, yeah. but I hope he gets a project that's like really cool yeah. soon, like another Blade Runner, except instead of just being in one. Is that the ice cream? The truck? ice cream man. That's the ice cream man. Go Jackson, go. 